In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Uh, I like to uh, welcome all of you in this uh, meeting of OCCM. Uh, and I'm very happy to be with you uh, discussing a very important subject and a challenge to our faith nowadays, which is the balance between or the reconciliation between faith and reason in, in the orthodoxy. And uh, this lecture, actually, I prepared it from a very old book, uh, but I tried to simplify it to you as much as possible. So, in the Orthodox Church, the relationship between reason and faith is completely different from the relationship in other confession and other denominations. Reason has to do with human mind. Faith has to do with divine revelation. And it is very, very challenging to try to reconcile what is limited with the unlimited? What is human with what is divine? Also, uh, theology is done mainly by revelation, meaning what God has revealed to us is that is what we know about God. Theology is not done by speculation or reasoning or uh, making hypotheses and try to prove it in research. So the main difference between orthodoxy and other practices that in the orthodox church, divine revelation and human thought are not confused. So we know divine revelation belongs to God, human thought, belong to us human being, and these two are not confused. The boundaries between the divine and the human are not transgressed, either by science or by church teaching. So there are clear boundaries between what is divine and what is human. However, the reason of any Orthodox believer strives all the time to reconcile the reason, the logic, with faith. But while we are doing this, we'll never ever mistake any dogma of revelation just for a simple conclusion of reason. For example, we cannot say that our belief in Trinity, it is a conclusion of reason. Our belief, our belief in the incarnation of the Son of God, this came as a conclusion of reason. Also at the same time, would never attribute the authority of revealed dogma to a conclusion of reason. 
Nowadays, many people try to conclude many, many things. For example, they are trying to say genders are not two genders, are four genders. So that is the reason whether it is corrupted or not corrupted. That's what reason is telling them. We cannot attribute the authority of revealed dogma to a conclusion of reason. So we cannot say this, which is the product of our mind, is sacred as the holy revelation. So the boundaries between divine revelation and between human reason stand firm and unbreakable. Firm and unbreakable. And here I want to emphasize that no church authority, also no public opinion at any time could add a new dogma or alter an existing one or ascribe a new teaching the authority of divine revelation. For example, I cannot say same-sex marriage, that's a public opinion right now, is uh, has the authority of divine revelation. It is a sacred doctrine of the church. Maybe many, many people voted for it, but we cannot ascribe to any and new teaching the authority of divine revelation. And no church authority, for example, the Holy Synod, or any Pope, or any Patriarch, or any Bishop, or Synod of Bishops, cannot add or alter, uh, add a new dogma, or alter an existing dogma. For example, we cannot say, God is not triune God. Uh, this is wrong, and we will, not ch- we will change it right now. Uh, because if we are doing this, we are saying that the reason of man is sacred as the teaching of the church, the divine revelation. Of course, that's not right. Our reason is human, and uh, actually it is subject to development, error, change. Our human knowledge is very, very limited. Although now we are very, very knowledgeable, but still our human knowledge is very limited and subject to development and change and error. That's why any extension and every extension of church teaching behind the holy tradition, this means we are leaving the church authority. This will be just a private opinion, more or less respectable, but still subject to the verdict of reason. Still can be right or wrong. One time, actually, the people thought that the earth is flat uh, before they discover that the earth is spherical. So if we believe that this is a, 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 a divine revelation or this human understanding we elevate it to the level of divine revelation, definitely this would be very, very mistaken. That's why, no matter who's this opinion, no matter who said this opinion, whether a pope or a synod or a public opinion or group of believers, uh, 
if it is not recognized by former ages, by early church fathers, even if it is the opinion of a whole people, or even it is the opinion of greater part of all Christian in a given time, many, many churches, many denominations now support same-sex marriage, for example. If it attempts to pass for a church dogma, if we want actually to make this a church dogma, this excludes them from the church. This excludes them from the meaning of the church. Why? I want you to pay attention to this point. The church does not limit its self-consciousness to any particular time. For example, we say now in the 21st century, our, our thinking should, should be uh, uh, changing and our faith should meet the knowledge and the information that we have in the 21st century. Yes, this time may consider itself more rational than any former, but still the church does not limit its self-consciousness to any particular time. Then, how the church uh, perceives its self-consciousness? Pay attention to this point. The sum total of all Christians, of all ages, past and present, comprises one indivisible, eternal, living assembly of the, of the faithful. So I cannot separate myself from the early centuries. I cannot separate myself from centuries to come. So all Christians of all ages together, comprised together, indivisible, means one unity, eternal and living assembly of the faithful. Held together what, what actually glue the fathers of the early church first century with us in the 20th century with people who will come after thousands of years from today. What glue glues us together? It is our unity of faith. Our faith is exactly like the early church father and also the communion of prayer. When we pray, all of us will pray together. You know, in the, in the divine liturgy, the, the cloud of witnesses around us, and we here in the church, all of us, we pray together. That's why the church does not perceive itself or limit its self-consciousness to any particular time. For example, now in the 21st century, people are uh, for, for same-sex marriage, transgenderism, so we'll change our face to fit this. No, we cannot do this. Actually, the inviolability of the limits of the revelation, which means that the divine revelation is totally separate from the human reasoning because this is divine and this is human. This is the assurance of the purity and firmness of faith in the church. So our faith will remain pure and uh, our doctrine will remain without blemish. Having said this, uh, also, this separation between what's human and what's divine, it guards the church teaching 
from any incorrect reinterpretation of natural reason. Maybe my reason understood something in the past in a certain way, and now I understand it in a different way. Or guard the, the, the faith against a legitimate intervention by church authority. And I will give you two examples, just examples from the history. I, I, I don't mean anything by these examples except to tell you how to separate between what's divine and what's human, actually protect the, the church teaching. One example, it is incomprehensible for Orthodox Christian how it was possi possible to burn Giordano Bruno for holding opinions different from the opinions of Latin hierarchy. That's one way. Because here the church uh, 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 tried to impose their personal opinion as sacred revelation. That's why they give themselves the right to burn uh, Bruno just he, because he has a different opinion. On the other side, how it was possible to reject credibility of an apostolic epistle on the ground of the truth it expressed because it was not in accord with the notion of some person or some time. I'm here referring to how Martin Luther uh, rejected the epistle of St. James. So these are two examples how the reason can uh, uh, pervert the, the, the uh, sacred revelation or the same way when we as a church believe that everything we say it is sacred, this actually can uh, uh, hurt the reasoning of the people. Having said this, but you're going to tell me that we need to reconcile faith and reason. Uh, we understand there are clear and firm separation between the divine revelation and human reasoning. But any orthodox believer has this urgency inside himself to reconcile his reason with his belief. Because, you know, not reconciling this will not bring peace into my heart. We know the truth with capital T is one. That's why our consciousness is striving all the time for this unity, the unity between faith and reason. And here I want to share with you that when our reason, the reason of the believers, are free and sincere in its natural activities, here actually more and more it will aspire the divine truth. And I will explain how, why. But again, free, what I mean by free? Free means I am not under the pressure of the society. And sincere, I am sincere in knowing the truth with capital T. So when my reason is free 
and sincere, I will, my reason will aspire toward divine truth. For Orthodox Christian, the teaching of the church is the highest ideal toward which our reason can aspire. So I perceive that my faith, because it is divine revelation, it is actually the ultimate limit of highest kind of thought. It is like a star in heaven burning on high, and this star is shining on my heart and illuminating the way to know the truth, illuminating the way for my reason to know the truth. So I understand that the faith is very, very high and my truth is limited. That's why my truth is in a quest toward reaching this shining star, the divine revelation uh, from heaven. That's why in order to bring faith and reason into accord, into reconciliation, it's not enough just to try to make a, a rational concept in according to the doctrine of faith. For example, Trinity. I tried to explain the Trinity. It is like uh, uh, sun and uh, light and uh, uh, heat. So here I'm trying to, to, to use my logic in order to construct rational concept in order actually to understand the divine revelation. And while I'm doing this, I'm selecting what's appropriate, but I'm excluding what contradict with my faith. This process, although it can help, but it, it, it is not accurate. Because if there are irreconcilable concepts, this irreconcilable concept actually have the right to be recognized as the compatible concept. For example, when I try to say the Holy Trinity and the sun and the light and the heat, maybe here this concept will explain to me how three in one, but definitely does not explain to me how the essence is one, because the essence of the light is totally different than the essence of the heat is totally different from the essence of the sun. So, the person while he is trying to reconcile faith and reason, there will be painful dichotomy, two as if contradicting forces. And this will be in my consciousness and uh, may actually shake my faith a little bit or deflect my thought from my faith. So as Orthodox Christian, what should I do? Here is the main difference in the Orthodox thinking. It seeks not to arrange separate concept according to the demand of faith. For example, I try to explain the 
virginal birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I try to find concept from nature or from science to explain this. But rather, the orthodox thinking is elevating the reason itself above its usual level, elevating the very source of reason, the very manner of rational thinking to the level of sympathetic agreement with faith. Because I understand my faith is very, my, my reason is very limited. How the unlimited, how the limited understand the infinite. How the comprehensible understand the incomprehensible. So for orthodox thinking, I will elevate my reason and my rational thinking to come into sympathetic agreement with faith. And the orthodox believer constantly seek in the depth of his soul that inner root of understanding. By the way, understanding does not depend only on your intellect. What we call integral knowledge depends on harmony between intellect, feeling, senses, all these faculties inside you. So all these faculties will merge together into a whole vision of mind. So my intuition with my intellect, with my reason, with my senses, with my feeling, with my heart, all of them together will actually compose what we call the integral knowledge. Integral knowledge. For example, I feel the presence of, of God in my heart. So even if my reason cannot comprehend his presence, but because I feel him in my heart, so my feeling with the reason, with the intellect, all of this come together. Such consciousness constantly elevates the thought of any human being while I am humbled and my rational pride is humbled, but my thought is elevated in order to aspire and to believe in the incomprehensible without actually making any constraint on the freedom of the national, natural laws of my reason. So, the inner conscience actually strengthens the independency of my reason while subject my reason to faith. So there is no contradiction between reason and faith. But since faith is divine and reason is human, so the believer, the orthodox believer, willingly will subordinate his reason to faith, knowing that he cannot understand or comprehend the incomprehensible with his limited mind. Uh, then the orthodox believer looks on all thinking originating from the highest source of rationality. My reason, 
my rationale. I, I, I will see it as incomplete and therefore erroneous knowledge. Knowledge which cannot serve as an expression of the highest truth that's revealed uh, by God. So all this knowledge, since it is limited, it is erroneous. It is uh, incomplete. Yes, why some Orthodox um, believer became atheist? That's what the, the second, third part of our... So first part, I spoke about the relationship between faith and reason. Second part, how to reconcile faith and reason. Third part, why some Orthodox believers became atheists. Yes, Orthodox believer might be contaminated by unbelief. Especially if the culture in which you are living is inadequate, which means unchristian or unorthodox culture. But orthodox believer could not arrive at unbelief through natural development of reason. Why? If I understand my reason is limited, then I will respect what is unlimited. That's actually very logical. It is very reasonable to, uh, to respect the limitation of my mind. Uh, because his basic notion about faith and reason guard him against this misfortune to become atheist or to become unbeliever. The faith of the orthodox believer is both external and inner authority simultaneously. Meaning, external, it's divine revelation came to me. Inner, I, I can aspire it. I can uh, touch it. Although it is incomprehensible, but I can aspire into it. That's what we call the integral knowledge. This is the highest wisdom. This is the life-giving for the mind. The development of natural reason serves faith only as a series of steps and going beyond the usual state of mind. So my natural reason will go beyond the natural state of mind in order to comprehend the incomprehensible, in order to see the unseen, in order to believe in what is beyond our understanding. Uh, faith ther thereby inform reason. Faith informs reason. Uh, that it has departed from its original natural wholeness. So the reason here departed from the natural wholeness and elevated, it's elevated above its limits. And by this communication, by this information from faith to reason, instruct the reason to return to the level of higher activity. So faith always reminds the reason to jump, to elevate itself into a higher level.
So, for the Orthodox believer, the Orthodox believer knows the wholeness of truth needs wholeness of reason. And the quest of this wholeness is his constant preoccupation. Pope Shenouda used to say that perfect faith or sound faith does not contradict with sound reason and sound um, science. Sound faith does not contradict with sound reason and sound uh, science. But since our reason is not perfect and our science is still developing, that's why if there is any contradiction, it is on the side of the reason, on the side of the science, not on the side of faith. So, when the Orthodox believer stands on this highest level of thought, that beyond the comprehension, then he can easily and harmlessly, harmlessly comprehend all system of thought, driving from the lower level of reason, and he can see their limitation and their relative truthfulness. So the person, when he goes beyond his limited mind, he will understand that the lower level of reasons, actually they are limited and they are relatively true, not absolutely true. That's why he cannot judge what is absolutely true with his mind, which is perceive only relative truthfulness. But if I made the lower form of thought to be the final judgment, then what's incomprehensible will appear to me as nonsensical. That's why it is very rare for a true Orthodox believer to lose his faith mainly as a result of logical argument capable of changing his rational concept. It's very rare. Then let's come to this question. Why an Orthodox believer actually uh, lose his faith? Yes, as Orthodox believer, we may be enticed, uh, but not convinced by unbelief. The Orthodox believer loses his faith not because of intellectual difficulties, because faith can respond to any intellectual challenge. But Orthodox believer loses his faith because of the temptation of life. When he brings in rationalistic consideration only to justify the apostasy of his own heart to himself. For example, his unbelief becomes encouraged by some sort of rational system which replaces his former faith. He can tell you, uh, I cannot believe the existence of evil. Uh, this justifies the existence of God. So he will try to come to this rationalistic uh, views to replace his former faith uh, in order to justify his departure from the faith. 
but it will be very difficult for him to return to faith without clearing the way for his reason. Clearing the way for his reason to, to be elevated above the level of the comprehensible and above the level of what is limited. That's why as long as the Orthodox believer believes with his heart, his logical reasoning is harmless to him because the faith will inform his reason. So in conclusion, there are always two activities combined in the thinking of the Orthodox believers. What are these two activities? Number one, he follow the development of his own understanding, the reason. But in the meantime, he follow uh, uh, and, and constantly striving to elevate reason to the level at which it can sympathize with faith. So he follow the development of his understanding, but in the same time elevate his reason to a higher level in order to uh, be in sympathy with faith. Only such thought in time will liberate the intellectual life of the Orthodox world from the distorting influence of the alien culture in which we are living and for the suffocating oppression of ignorance. Both are equally repellent to Orthodox culture. So what will protect me when my faith inform my reason and my reason elevated above the level of, uh, of the limited, of the, my, my reason above the level of the limited and what's comprehensible, then any influence from unchristian or unorthodox culture or any pressure, so even suffocating oppression around me will not shake my faith. I hope that I simplified as much as I can the relation between faith and reason and uh, explain how in orthodoxy we reconcile faith and reason and what is the main reason behind some, some orthodox believer became atheist, not because of the logical intellectual challenges, but because of the temptation of life and they want to go in, in, in this direction. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.